Welcome to the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast that's raising the bar on craft cocktails. I am your host, Louise Solace, and with me is my very, very talented friend. She's my very own dancing queen. She's the mixtress DC Gina. <laughs> uh, hi, Louise. Hi. I like dancing queen. I mean, that's something. You like that? Yeah. So where are you at today? So I'm at Buffalo and Bergen, and I'm just looking at these drink machines, and I'm thinking to myself, God, I want to have one. But I cannot right now because we're going to have a different cocktail. Good thing is choices. Good thing is this is a designated drinker show, and we can start drinking whenever you want. I know that. Before we get there, though, I have some question. I have a question for you, Gina. Go. Do you know who Yolanda Baker is? I do not. Okay. Well, I think you should, and here's why: because, like you, she has a passion for the world of disco. <laughs> you see. Every day of the week, Yolanda goes to work at Omega National Products, where she happily adheres tiny little mirrors to the common sphere to create those magical, light-reflecting dance floor must-haves that we call the disco balls. (laughs) That's cool. Yes, and believe it or not, Yolanda's dedication to her mirrored mosaics have actually put Louisville on the map as the disco ball capital of the world. Who knew? I mean, that's not what I thought of Louisville first, but now I love it even more. Of course, there's a lot of reasons to love Louisville, right? Louisville is so much more than just disco balls. It's also known for its annual hosting of the Kentucky Derby at the famed Churchill Downs, of course. And it's also the home of Louisville Slugger Factory and Museum which has apparently a giant Louisville slugger baseball wooden bat that's like bigger than the building. I've not been there, obviously. And of course, it's also the birthplace of one of our favorite cocktails, the Old Fashioned. I might have to colorfully disagree with that one. I can't be so (laughs) sure. That's according to my research. I said there is some debate on that. You are right. There's some debate. There are some debates, but I do love Louisville. There we go. So that doesn't change anything for me. I'm going to give you one more reason to love Louisville, and that's today's designated drinker, because she also hails from Louisville. She is the vice president of operations for New Rift Distilling, Hannah Lowen. Welcome to the show, Hannah. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm like counting and taking notes, all the Louisville things. I'm like, well, that bat is actually made of metal. Oh, thank you. It's all good. Isn't that crazy? But um, it's a really cool museum. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. (laughs) Correct me when I'm wrong. It's the best way to do it. Don't let me go around the world being an asshole. No, I'm just, I love a Louisville fact. I love a Louisville fact. (laughs) Do you have a disco ball in the distillery? I didn't know that, but I, I, I don't think we have a disco ball here. We might have at some point, but I had no idea. Like literally was born and raised in Louisville. Never heard about our disco. Maybe we should call Yolanda. Yeah. I mean, really. Maybe we need to dial up Yolanda and see if she can send you one. It seems like that should be a thing all Louisvillians should know. Yes. Yes. So let's, let's, let's make this crystal clear. You are no longer in Louisville. You have apparently floated upstream to the Gateway Bourbon County of Newport, Kentucky, correct? Yeah, absolutely. We're about a, an hour and a half northeast, mostly north up the Ohio River right across the river from Cincinnati. So we're actually, we think we're like the biggest city in Kentucky, if you count the big city in Ohio across the river here in Newport. (laughs) 
The metropolitan area, you mean? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it actually really, I mean, there's about 2 million people in the metro area of Cincinnati. I mean, I, we can see like the red stadium from the distillery. So we're, we are, we, at one point we were like calling ourselves that we were from Cincinnati, Kentucky, and that, that didn't fly along with the marketing folks, but um, (laughs) we're close. We're very close. There you go. So, um, I also have one other thing I need to clear up Um, before we go any further. We all need to know. Like Gina Yolanda, do you possess the love of disco? Of course. Do you want to see me do like a dance move for everybody or like what's up? Love to see that dance move. That was that was for <laughs> Hannah, Gina. Oh. We know you are the dancing oh, queen. Oh, I'm asking if she too, she too, if she too has that love. I feel like I I really love dancing. Disco, real talk, is not my number one <laughs> dancing music, but I can get into it. If there was like a lit floor... <laughs> And copious amounts of uh, drugs and alcohol, I'm sure I would be like really into disco. <laughs> I'd be really into anything with that kind of setup. I'd be like, yeah. Right, right, right. Exactly. Do you slip and slide? Absolutely. Is there any cocaine involved? Let's do it. Yeah, you name it. <laughs> you name it. So, Of, of course. Uh, so you started in dis- not in distilling though, right? Your career path, you ended up here. Tell us how you got there. Tell us how that crazy journey. Yeah, a, a winding road. I grew up in Louisville, as as we discussed, with the, with the disco balls and the giant bats, and went to college out of state. I, I went to school in Wisconsin, and then I ended up working in uh, politics on the West Coast in Portland, in, like the hipster capital of the world. 2008, when it was really at its like put a bird on it pinnacle, and um, was did that for several years. Ended up back in New York, and then got like basically called home to come be a part of New Riff. I know Ken Lewis, who's the founder and the owner of the company, and his family. I've known them for a very long time, and they literally were like, "Hey, what are you doing?" Um, and my background at that point was in management and operations, just in nonprofitry and politics. And bourbon sounded much more appealing, and I said, "I'll be right there." <laughs> so I showed up. Um, Get my glass ready. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Before there was a, a building or a, you know, it was just an idea and the architectural plans were drawn and dirt was getting moved. And so I have um, tried to make myself indispensable and, you know, given a little crack in the door and then just like shoved my foot in there and made sure they would, they'd never get rid of me. So it's been, it's been almost like the door keeps closing on you like the elevator. No. <laughs> yeah. I think like literally since I kind of the, the employment contract I had with Ken was that we met at a dog park, shook on it. This was almost like 10 years ago now. So it's been a long road and it's been wonderful. I mean, we're, we're now, we've been open. New Rift has been open for seven years, wow. which is pretty wild. Does it feel that long? The last years have made it feel very long. It is. It, it's yes. yes. Yeah, it feels long. The gray hairs in my head, you know, when we've like hired people who were born in the 2000s, I'm like, oh my God, what's even happening? But, uh, it's been a fun ride. <laughs> You're like, shut up. <laughs> I'm like, is that real? Because, you know, you have to be like 20 in a day in Kentucky to serve alcohol. And so I'm always like, wait a second. Yeah, you do the math and you're like, yeah. ow, ow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's great. So tell me a little bit, our listeners, a little bit about uh, New Riff. Yeah, absolutely. We're an independently owned bourbon distillery in Kentucky. We're on the Kentucky Bourbon Trail. We're on the craft tour. So we um, we specialize in making bourbon and rye whiskey. I mean, we also make gin and a couple of other things, but our, our real heart and soul is brown spirits. And we're like 
big for a little guy and little for a big guy. So compared to our craft brethren in the US, we're we're on that like size-wise, like the, you know, 98% we're bigger than most places, but compared to our Kentucky bourbon family, you know, we're like cute little craft distillery. So we don't really describe ourselves as craft much. We share a lot of like values and I think creativity with the craft guys, but production wise and scale, we're, we're kind of, like I said, we're in a middle ground, but we're family owned. We opened in 2014. We started making whiskey back then. We waited, um, which is very hard for a new distillery to do. We waited four years for our first brown spirits to come out. So very proud of making that sacrifice and launched our bourbon and rye in 2018. It's been a really fun few years since then. We've had an amazing reception in the market. We're we're like rye heads. So even our bourbon is a high rye recipe. Our rye is a 100% rye. We've done a few like heirloom and specialty ryes that have come out and um, the stuff we're going to be tasting later uh, and making a cocktail with is it was in Whiskey Advocate. We were like the number 17 best whiskey in the world, which like for a four-year-old Kentucky rye, we were really, really honored. And nice. you know, there's, there's a lot of awards out there, but some of the big ones we feel like super proud of. And for the most part, you know, we're small company, treat our crew well and um, are lucky to. You know what? It was kind of funny when you said that, what came to my head, cause you said you started off at the dog <laughs> park and I have three dogs, you know, so I'm all about dogs. It made me think, well, you're kind of like the Jack Russell. Cause you're like sure. bigger than most little dogs, but smaller than most big dogs. And then you're like at the dog park, you know, do we go to the little dog park or do we go exactly. to the big dog park? Exactly. That's, a, that's funny. I feel like I knew a very mean Jack Russell as a kid. So in my head, I'm like, we're not a Jack Russell, but size wise, definitely. That, that makes a lot of sense. I knew a really smart Jack Russell, so I take it. And he was really sweet. Yeah, I'm sure it was just a one. I mean, I have a Chihuahua mutt thing who is both sweet and an asshole. So I understand. Oh, so he'd, he'd, he'd be perfectly fine hanging out with Gina and I. Both sweet and kind of assholes. <laughs> Do you want to know what a, a degenerate I am? When you said the dog park, I thought you were at the dog track making bets. And I was like, that's so perfect for Kentucky because I feel like that's what people do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's funny. I I don't even know. I'm, I'm like, it's all horse racing. I, there must be dog tracks here. No, it was a literal dog park with like golden doodles. At the time I had a French bulldog. Like I was that person. It was great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So hipster. I've never done that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was just out there. I had all my tickets. I love that. No, I love that. It was just so funny. Right. I'm, like, I'm like, oh, she was being, that's pretty cool. Things are going to definitely get weird later then. That's for sure. <laughs> Gina's like, what the hell would a Jack Russell be doing at the dog park or dog track? <laughs> I haven't even tasted your product yet. And so I'm like, oh my Let's do it. Let's do yeah. it. Let's taste. And so we can talk about it. Yeah. On the side. So you guys both have a pour. We do. I'll show the bottle. So this is our uh, flagship. I'm like covering it with my hands. <laughs> this is our flagship rye. Come on, Vanna. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's bottled and bond. So that was a big thing for us, especially as a young distillery. All of our flagship products, the bourbon and the rye, are at we say at least bottled and bond. So I you know you guys know this, but for your listeners, those are it's a law that was passed in 1897. It actually the, the fine folks of America 
passed a law about liquor quality before the FDA even existed. So um, it was to ensure safety and quality of distilled spirits. And it's about, you know, how old something has to be the proof. It's got to be distilled in one distillery in one distilling season. You can't have any additives. So for us, it was kind of a mark of like, listen, we're young, we're new on the scene, but like we are immediately going to the highest quality standard for a spirit in the world, which is pretty awesome. So it's bottled and bond. We do some single barrels of both bourbon and rye that are barrel proof. So bottled and bond has to be exactly hundred proof. And then we don't chill filter anything. So that's literally like embossed in the glass and that's a process. It's like a cosmetic process, but we think you're basically pulling out all the fat out of the soup, so to speak. And so when you taste it, this is a 100% rye. It's very difficult spirit to make. I think our distillers kind of love like wrestling with it, but um, it's 95% unmalted rye and 5% malted rye. So it's definitely got spice and like cinnamon and clove. Um, but because it's non-chill filtered and that kind of like velvety mouthfeel too, um, really stands up well in a cocktail. I'm excited to make this one. I've never made this drink. I'm pumped like in a Manhattan or an old fashioned, you just get the like bite and it's got, we always say it's big bones. It's a big brawny whiskey. Um, but doesn't, doesn't burn or anything on the way down. And so it's got gorgeous light. Like it's got something you can tell before you even try the spirit and you're just like have it in your glass. It's like the viscosity of it's amazing. Yeah. Thanks. It's, that's definitely the non-chill filtration. It's like, it's not astringent, you know, it's, it's luscious kind of. And, um, it just, it's a good one. It warms, it warms the soul and, what kind of what, what kind of rye are you, talk, talk about the rye a little bit? Yeah, so we most of the rye we use comes from it actually comes from like the northern part of the US or Canada. We go through like I said scale wise like we're a pretty big distillery so we're getting it from a really high quality rye supplier from Brooks Grain but they consolidate from different places. And then we use um you know there's a very famous rye recipe that comes from MGP which is the 95 Five rye that's 95% rye and 5% malted barley. So this is a little bit of our riff on it. So instead of 5% malted barley, it's 5% malted rye, um, which is a, a grain that we really love. So you just get all of that spice, the citrus, the like good earthiness, but then it's also, you know, has been in a, a new chart of barrel up here in Kentucky, relaxing for four years. So we're fans, you know, a lot of people say that rye kind of matures sooner than bourbon. Um, it was certainly, we had decided we were going to wait at least four years before we bottled anything. But when the rye was like three-ish, we were like, oh, that was pretty good. Like maybe, you know, and it was kind of hard to keep our paws off of it. So how much did you hold back for the aged rye? We keep about a third of everything we make for older whiskey. So mm -hmm. they will have, you know, a seven, eight, nine-year-old and then a 10, 11, 12-year-old. We'll, we'll a little bit let it speak to us. But that was a big thing for us is we wanted to wait as long as we could. I mean, there are finances. Can't wait forever. If you're a new company, you're just burning capital. That's what the gin's for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, but people, especially in Kentucky, we, we, people drink a lot more bourbon down here than gin. We actually, it's, it's good timing. We're actually expanding the distillery in a feat of engineering that's way over my head. We're, we're expanding by like no more than I think 900 square feet, but we're adding about 50% capacity. So we're adding new fermenters to the distillery and that'll increase what we're really focused on is increasing our older and more specialty products. So our, our goal is to, as time goes on, you know, you're looking at these models and stuff that are decades out that will have more older product. 
as we go along. So this was distilled in 15 and bottled in, in when? Uh, 19, I'm 20. guessing? 20. Well, I don't know which one. I can't see your tax strip. So Sorry. I, I have, um, yeah. Talk about it. Yeah, it says fall 2015. And you roll, if you rolled it, it says fall 2019. So I would take it. Got it. Yeah, bottled and nice. Yep. distilled. Yep. Yeah. The one I've got is a, is a 16, fall 16, fall 20. Um, so we, on every tax strip, it's, you know, if you were a very specific collector, like you could taste throughout the seasons, a season in distilling terms is, is January to June and then July to December. So we identify on the tax strip there. And that's like another kind of ode to the original real tax strips that were like from the federal government. That's just for design, but it's cool. It's, it, it, there's all these little like fun pieces of information. No, I love that. That kind of information, love. Because it, it whiskey could, and whiskey nerds, right? <laughs> yeah, but it, it can change because you know, depending on like, say, um, I don't know. Well, it always dumps snow in Canada, but, and then, but you know, if it had a drier winter, then you're not going to have the same lush of the rye. But if you had a really good winter where it dumped just dumped uh, snow, then you're going to get an incredible spring, and you're going to get a nice start of the rye. And then, you know, depending on when they harvest it. You know, was it super hot? Did it get above 80? You know, there's a lot of questions. Absolutely. Rye is a bitch. And I love it that. Is, and I love it. It is. You know, I remember when we first started distilling, you know, there were like eight of us when we opened on staff. Now our full-time staff's almost like 40 people. And it's awesome. One of the first times we made rye, it like overflowed in the fermenter. I mean, it's just like a sticky, gummy, uh, like a son of a bitch, you know, it's a, <laughs> it's a challenging grain to work with. And I'm like, I'm not a technical person. I do like, I mean, I do this from time to time when they let me out from behind my spreadsheets. Most of the time I'm like back there, you know, writing, writing memos and, and doing numbers. But I was like, Oh my God, it's an emergency. You know, there's like rye coming over the fermenter just falling on the ground. And, and I was instructed that it was not an emergency. It was okay. And they were figuring out fill levels and all this stuff, but it, it is a challenge. And it's, I, like I said, I think it's one that our team really likes to, I feel like they have a good grip on it. From your point of view, it was like, that's dollars falling to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> like, wait, I was like, that looks like it's going to be messy to clean up. But yeah, they figured it out. They're, they're, they're pretty good at what they're doing I'm these sure. days. So it's, it's exciting. We had a wonderful, uh, our head distiller was a brewer for 15 years and you know, we were instructed by some very smart folks up here in the industry that like fermentation is, is really the essence of distillation. I mean, you know, distilling is like more of a mechanical process. Fermentation is where there's a lot of like art, and, uh, you know, science and, and then blending on the back end. So we hired ourselves a brewer and he, him and his team, they just do an amazing job. It's been really fun. I'm going to say that sounds like a really good disco dance. I'm just bringing back my theme of disco here. That's all. <laughs> You can, you, I was just going to make a joke about getting a giant disco ball. That's all. No, do it. Make the joke. And then I want, and then I have a question. <laughs> Go ahead. It's not even funny. Now it's dead. I just, we should get a giant disco ball. I'm going to send <laughs> you, I'm going to send you in a disco ball. That's the I'm going to send you one. I have a question for you though. And this is um, real. Yeah. So that, uh, so obviously that creamy, that creamy texture is coming from the malt. Right. And like, and I have, um, I can't, it's, it's like, I can't escape it. It's almost. Like there's a little bit of pepper to it. And like, I'm not really sure why I'm getting the pepper. And it's not the heat for sure. Yeah. What What is that? Is that like, is that just me? I think it's the grain. Okay. No, I think that we hear that a lot. I mean, like I said, I'm, I am. Yeah. Like that, you know, that, that 
Really, it's really pretty. Yeah, like almost like vegetal, Kinda, but not vegetal because I would I would have said it's a vegetal taste because it's not it. Yeah, like that green. Yeah, it's a good it's question. Really nice. I I gotta ask somebody that knows knows better than me. I mean, I I have learned and, and trained myself, but like I'm not on I'm not on our sensory panel. I'm not invited to that stuff. So. I mean, I feel like that's very much in the blossoming, like the, when you blossom rye, when you're blossoming it in the front. When you're talking about fermentation, right? You're talking about mm-hmm. a peak time where yeah. you're. Gonna, we're going to blossom it. And like the one way I can always describe it to people that have never distilled or made done a ferment or anything, you know, that time where your pasta goes from raw to al dente and it's perfect to mush. Mm-hmm. You're looking for al dente and you got to get it there. And, right. and rise, yeah. a, rise a very tricky one to do, but there's a really pretty, it's really lovely. It's just, it's right on. It's just, it, for me, it's finishing, right? kind of like towards the um, top and the back of my mouth and it's um, and the green is right on top and I don't and I don't normally stop and say that but it's very it's it's quite lovely thank you I will I will ask a person who will know better than me what they think about that and I'll send you a note uh, it's um I'll tell you a funny story about me tasting when we like first when we first opened we had a second we had a different brand that like we clearly labeled the brand was called OKI it's now like you know a secondary market ghost because it has gone extinct but we had purchased barrels from mgp and we wanted to have a bourbon to sell one people were coming to the distillery for tours but also like you know money and we had it you know only a few hundred of these barrels and so we would be tasting them and this was like at that point eight-year-old mgp juice and it was like one of my first like the first year i was there and i'm like in my head thinking i taste pickles like, you know, I'm Jewish. Like I grew up around a lot of pickles. I'm a pickle fan. I'm like, there's no way this whiskey tastes like pickles, but I'm like, I definitely taste pickles. Everyone is like writing down their descriptions, what they're tasting. And so I try to be like, is anyone getting, um, like spice, like pickling spice or no. And one of my coworkers is like, it's apparently, which I didn't know a very like common comment about MGP whiskey, that there's this like pickle (laughs) flavor. And I was just like, Nailed it. And and to this day, I feel like it's the only thing that I can describe. Like you're tasting something and you're able to connect it with like a memory or a smell or a taste <laughs> or a real thing. As you say that, I can smell it and taste it. But the only thing that I've ever done naturally myself without being prompted is picking out pickles. I'm like, that's a pickle. I know a pickle. Everything else I have to be told what it tastes like. And I'm like, yes, I get it. But I never, it never connects for me between like (laughs) mouth, nose and words. No, that's where we started. They descended. Hannah, I didn't even know that they had Jewish people in Kentucky being from New York. I thought we all lived there. And some people live in Potomac. I actually, both of my parents are from New York. They moved here, I think for like law school. And there are some Jews here. There's a few of us. We're around. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just saying like, that is, (laughs) It's amazing. It's amazing to me. So every time I go someplace, I'm like, "Oh, where do you go to like a pastrami sandwich or something?" They're like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, yeah. uh, nothing. You're like, I'm "No, like, not me. Like, no, we've got. Like, what we you, got stuff here. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? No, I'm not talking about anything. And I don't want. And I don't want Texas barbecue. So I wasn't looking for that either. So <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with it. But whatever. Sure. This is absolutely lovely. I have another question. Yeah. Why the name New Riff? Sure. No. Uh, to be perfectly honest, I remember, this is the fun thing about like starting with a company. I remember the conversation that was had where the name came from. We had another name that was around that there was like a trademark dispute that we couldn't use. And it turned out way better. I'm not even going to say it because it's not even that interesting. 
And Ken was like sitting around. He was like, well, you know, we're like, well, what are we going to name the company now? And he was like, I like this idea of a riff. I like, he's an old deadhead. You know what I mean? He like followed the Grateful Dead around for a while. He's a very smart entrepreneurial, like business visionary who is also a deadhead. I probably, he's, I hope he doesn't listen to this. He's going to be like, why are you telling people that? Um, and he just like loved this idea of riff. Um, and that we were doing a, you know, bourbon, especially in Kentucky, like, you know, there are unbelievable distilleries here. They're like some of the best distilleries in the world. We didn't want to show up and act like we were going to do something better because like, give me a break. Like we're not trying to like topple Buffalo trace. Like we just want to be in the conversation. And so that riff was this kind of like both complimentary and expressive way to say like, we're putting our own spin on what we're doing. We're going to do a new riff on an old tradition. And that's really was both deliberate in naming the company new riff, but then also it's just kind of like happened naturally. I mean, no one in the company, the ownership of the company, Ken and his family, like they don't have a history in distilling. So we didn't want to create a story because there are so many families and brands in Kentucky that do have a legitimate history for us to be like, you know, this is old Newport Creek or make something up. So we wanted to be like super transparent from the get-go. And it was a fun way to say that be like, listen, we're, we're like city kids. This is a new riff, but we also respect this old tradition. And like our bourbon and rye, especially are very traditional whiskeys. We make them on a copper column still. They're bottled in bond. We age in, you know, new charred oak, 53 gallon barrels. Like we don't, they've been making really good bourbon for like hundreds of years. And then some of the other things we do are, are heavier riffs. You know, we're playing a little bit funkier song on some of the things we've done. And, um, that's, that's where, where it diverges. Yeah. No, I love it. I think it's great. Of course, my, my background branding, I think it being authentic and being true to yourself. And if your name can represent really what the product you're putting in the bottle to your point, it's not, it's not everyone else's bourbon, it's yours and you're just being authentic. You're new at this, but it doesn't mean that you're not good at it. It just means you're not. And, and I, I just think that's, a, I think it's genius. And I think it's a, a great you. way to position yourselves. That's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, you can't fake it when you're like a hundred miles from Bardstown, when you're, when you're only, only on the dance, on the dance floor, floor, can you but fake it? But if it's it. dark, you know, yeah, you can you get away with it. So it's dangerous fun. on the dance floor, ladies. Is that what we're trying to say? Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Let's make yes, a cocktail. Absolutely. Yes. Let's do it. I'm feeling. Let's do it. A little inspired and a little bit happy. And so you're talking about a new rep and I'm going to say this is a classic rye cocktail. However, we're just going to spin it in a new way. So um, the ingredients are all the ingredients that you would have in a classic Sazerac. Now, you know what I love about Sazeracs? Everything. <laughs> what I love the most is when they sit for a little bit of time, because you've had a really long conversation, and you ask the bartender for one ice cube. There's no ice in a Sazerac. And you're like, right, right, right. Can I just have an ice cube? And you throw it in there because, you know, maybe you've gotten into a conversation and, the, and about, like, the changing world and what you're going to do and all these things, right? Yeah. So for me, like I just, you know, sometimes adding ice isn't such a bad thing and a little bit of water content is also pretty awesome. And when I saw that your rye was 100 proof, right, I was like, mm, let's try it and see what happens. And I feel like this is just a really nice, lovely way to bring in the warmer season, enjoy bourbon, enjoy the company of your friends and, you know, let's have some fun. Love so it. Let's, let's try it. So we're going to. We're gonna make these little pitchers, right? 
And uh, what I like is you can use your mixing glasses that you have at home and you don't have to go out and buy a small pitcher. You just make the drink in there. We're gonna add six ounces of the um, new Riff Rye and then we're gonna add 12 dashes of Peychaud's Bitters. You, the reason why you're using this drink is because it's not a Sazerac without it. So you're gonna add um, the 12 and I'm just dashing it in and that's 12. Um, can you make this drink singularly? Yes, make a Sazerac and then put an ice cube in it. Make it this way if you're going to do it as the cocktail. Then we're gonna add two ounces of absinthe and a lot of people will be going, God, that's a lot of absinthe. And is it? Because you know, absinthe in the summertime is quite lovely. Because what it does is- What, what absinthe do you have? I just have um, Pernod. Oh my gosh, I love St. George. One, my one of my faves. Um, I was told it was delicious, and I, I also love St. George. I was like, I need absinthe. Luckily, we have it's, some. Uh, it is delicious, and we're going to do a little lemonade. If you don't have lemonade at home, um, and you want to do some fresh lemon juice, all you're going to do is put two ounces of fresh lemon juice and then two ounces of simple syrup, and that will give you four ounces of lemonade, right? So we're going to put that in, drop it. Now, if you're at home and you just never, ever want to go to the store, to um, buy any of these, say, um, to make lemonade, you could just go and get like a, a fresher product lemonade, maybe something from your local Whole Foods or an organic market or somebody that's making lemonade fresh for you, okay? So we have our drink. We're gonna add now, that's it. So we've made it. So everything's in there. We're gonna give it a stir, pre-adding the ice. Then we're gonna add some ice. Crazy, right? What a concept, add ice. It's like when you go to the coffee, Right, right into the mixer. We're adding the ice or to the glass. Yeah, because you're gonna use this. You're gonna use this as your pitcher. So this is really a drink for two. So you're adding your ice. Your drink for two is now finished. We're just gonna garnish it with some orange slices. And there's, it, you don't have to be. This is when you taste it. You know, is it a drink for yourself? Sure, why not? Is it a drink for you and your spouse? Yeah, great. Your friend, your coworker, whatever. You'd be working at a distillery. How nice would it be if you made a little picture and walked down and gave everybody a little taste of their wares, right? I have a giant orange slice. My cup, my cup to orange is off, but it looks delicious. What? No, it's great. So I just like throw them in and, you know, throw them in, put them on the side, whatever you want to do. But the idea of this little pitcher is that you don't need to constantly keep making the drink. And if you get a little bit of water dilution, it's totally fine. And mine has this poor spout, so maybe it's not the best idea. Maybe get a little pitcher. Anyway, anyway, at this point, now I'm going to take my small glass and I'm just going to pour a little bit in there and one or two cubes might float in and that is it. That is your cocktail. It is super easy. It is super pink. It is a Southern lady by any name. So there you go. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Wow. And that's that. That's delicious. Very refreshing. And I'm happy because I like everything on ice. Yeah, ice, coffee, whatever. So this is fantastic. Even, even a really fine, yeah, I'm all about it. So it's legitimately, again, it's a Sazerac pitcher, really, if you think about it, right? It's just doing the proportions, the six and the two and everything like that. And you could get something super, you know, something unique or, you know, you could use a flower vase of something that you actually like to look at you know, in coming in the next summer and the next seasons and stuff, seeing people and enjoying drinks together is going to be more about the conversation than spending every tedious moment by making every cocktail. We've already did that for an entire year in our houses. So now it's time to make them quick and dirty and get them in your mouth with your <laughs> friends. And this is delicious. Exactly. Exactly.
Talk about quick, getting quick and dirty. Gina, where are they going to go to get this recipe? <laughs> You're going to go to Designated Drink or Not Show for the recipes and where we can purchase um, new riff um, in different markets, I'm guessing. Right, Hannah, a link. Yeah, yeah, we're not we're not in every state, but if you visit our website newriftdistilling.com, there's a under um, contact, there's like a retail location tab, and it shows you where we are. And um, hopefully, if we're not where you live now, we're coming to you soon. And we always are accepting. I don't even know why I said that. We normally are accepting visitors and are again on a limited basis, but we would love to see you up here in Northern Kentucky. It's a we've got a shockingly amazing food and drink scene. And it's just a great place to spend a weekend. We're like, do you know that we are exactly west of DC? We are on the same parallel. We're not south of you. We're just west of you. There's a mind-blowing fact. Do you want to hear the craziest part about me driving to you, which is mental? It's the Appalachian Mountains that come right between us, right? And you have to go up and down, up and down, up and down. If I go around, it's faster. Wow. Wait, where are you? I'm in DC. DC. Oh, you're in DC. Wait, you just go through... You just come like through West Virginia. Yeah, but you have to go through the mountains of West and go through the Appalachian uh, mountain range right there. I guess that's true. I'm like trying to think. I live in, I live actually now in Frederick. So I'm actually even closer. Oh yeah. I just made that drive. I've made that drive twice during COVID with our new fresh child to go visit family. <laughs> and let me tell you about. As opposed to your, in, as opposed to your old stale child. How, how old is a new? What how old's a new fresh child? I'm into it. Yeah, an old an old stale child. He's currently ten months old, but when we traveled first, he was four months old and is not interested in iPads or anything. So he just screamed. But we were like, we will go to the beach. We were going to Rehoboth Beach. We were like, we're going to the beach, no matter what. And then that was a long, long, long eight hour drive. That was like a twelve hour, eight hour drive. But with just an adult, much better. Well, we're new friends, so you could stop on the way and. I live on a farm and I have ducks and chickens and all that kind of jazz. I'm definitely stopping there next time we come. We go right through Frederick. That sounds amazing. Oh, take another sip of your drink. And I never say this to my guests, but it's time to take another sip of your drink because the water content and now with all of those things has made it precious. It's great. I feel like the citrus like shows up more too. Fantastic. Yeah. What do you think, Louise? You're liking it better? Very much. No, I like this drink. I mean, it. it's really... um. It's kind of funny when you said absinthe, and I'm sure people are, it's like, oh, that's going to be so heavy and, and sticky and, you know, but it's not. This drink is so light and refreshing. Um, it's kind of, and you know, and, and rye isn't always known as to be a light, refreshing cocktail make, but this is delicious. This is something that mm -hmm. you, a little dangerous. It's a little dangerous, Gina. Goes down too easy. It's getting hot here. Throw some in that frozen drink machine. I bet it's fantastic. Wanna, here, I'll, I'll give you a little sales. And, and if you guys are in the D.C. area, you can always come to any of my locations with some frozen cocktails. And, of course, they're not just your basic pina colada. They're the best of the best of uh, frozen old fashions and all those kind of things. No, but it's so much fun. No, it's so much fun in the summertime. Uh, Hannah, every once in a while, go work in Gina's. Uh, she has a suburbia, which sits outside. Uh, it's a, an airstream. <gasps> Hannah, we could take suburbia to and so you. She, I get to like pour cocktails out of it. And it's, I have so much fun. It's just fun. You're giving people fun, boozy, frozen cocktails. How much fun is that? Wait, Hannah doesn't know what it is. Hannah, suburbia is a 1967 Airstream that's parked here in D.C. with okay. 12 frozen drink machines in it, 12 taps, cock and craft cocktails. And, and we, you just drive you drive around to different and we places? Make cocktail, yeah, we make cocktails. And we're primarily at Union Market, but we do like... 
you know, festivals and stuff like that, but it is insane. But I have never brought her to a distillery. Wow. Okay. Listen, one of my colleagues who um, is our like director of communications has been talking. I can't tell you how many times this conversation she's like, I have an idea we need. And it is some version of a, what you just described, but like, sometimes it's a bike. Sometimes it's a bus, sometimes it's a whatever, but that sounds amazing for you to take it on the road. We could do like a whole tour. We could do a collaborative tour. We could be to you in like four, six yeah, hours. We could meet, we could meet in like yes. the booming cocktail metropolis of like Morgantown, West Virginia. <laughs> I, that's actually Morgantown seems very nice. I don't want to shit on Morgantown. I'm sure it's, it's very pretty. I've, I've, I have, I have my friends went to college there when I was going to school at University of Maryland and I went up there for a weekend and I have slid down those streets because it was icy and you really go right down those roads and Morgan up. Anyway, I, I recently stayed at a Holiday Inn Express also in Wheeling on my way back from, from your, your town. And so it's a lovely place. Honestly, they have free pancakes. For breakfast. There you go. Free pancakes. I love, I feel like that's a commercial hand. I love it. <laughs> I don't okay. tell you I'm endorsed by them, but that's okay. That'll be, that's fine. <laughs> make sure we get a cut. Um, anyway, no. uh, again, I'm just gonna make sure that we, everyone heard you go to designateddrinker.show. That's designateddrinker.show. You'll have all the tips and tricks, but we'll also have links to um, everything that Hannah was talking about, where to get the product. And the other thing you can do is you can just simply swipe up on your smartphone. We'll have all of that information in our episode notes as well. So Gina, I now pitch it back to you. Okay. Yes. So Hannah, you know, everybody identifies themselves with some sort of um, spirit animal these days. You know, they might identify themselves with, you know, the um, golden doodle because the golden doodle is the sweetest dog and it's, you know, just everybody loves it because it's so beautiful and it's just regal and all those things and genetically made, right? However, if you were a spirit ingredient, how would you identify yourself and why? A spirit ingredient. A spirit ingredient can be in food or a drink. So one ingredient that describes you. Um, I feel like cheese because I love cheese. Mostly I love cheese, but also I feel like everyone loves some type of cheese or fake cheese. And I want everyone to love me. I'm thirsty for attention at all times. And, you know, there's a lot of variety and there's nothing better than like it's six o'clock and you're drinking a drink and you have a cheese plate. Like literally that's the best thing in the world. And that's just what I want to be. I don't know if that's accurate for what I am, but that's what I aspire to. I love that answer. Also, love it. another first today, Louise. I said a good day today on the Designated Drinker Show. It is a good day. All right. I think we have a newfound friend. She said cheese and she has whiskey. So we're definitely in it. And I think we're bringing Suburbia and Designated Drinker. Uh, oh my God. I can't wait for real. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to email you about it. So Sounds fantastic. Fun. Yeah, so we'll keep everybody updated on that, right? Absolutely. Cheers. Cheers. So lovely. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Pleasure. The Designated Drinker Show is produced by Missing Link, a podcast media company that is dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is Roger That, a podcast dedicated to guiding you through the haze of dementia, led by skilled caregivers Bobby and Mike Carducci. Now, if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy the theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and everything in between. Find Missing Links League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. 
Don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows. Your review helps our shows reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company. That's missinglink.company.